ready? Is he frozen? Dude, he's frozen. Why is he frozen? I think I lost Nate. Nate, did I lose you? No, you're just no. very... Why were you so still? You look like you were fucking broken. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to a very, very, very belated uh, episode <laughs> of Space Time Taco. I am your host, Chris. Sorry, I got something on my screen, and I'm going to keep this like this. I don't care. Uh, I'm your host, Chris, with... Nate. And that's it, because we don't have friends. That's not true. Um, not a live episode today. We're just doing a, a chill, relaxed, Labor Day weekend. Uh, pre-recorded? Pre yeah, it's weird saying something's pre-recorded when you're recording it. Yes, it is. <laughs> but... That is technically what we are doing. So, Nate, what the hell have you been doing for the last three months? Uh, a lot of work and other tomfoolery. Okay, okay. I, uh, I've been moving. We're now moved. We will be here for an undetermined amount of time. But what you currently see behind me is what you will currently see behind me for the time to come. There's a cool uh, painting. It's uh, Disney abstract art from my friend Jamie Haberly. Highly recommend his art. If you can, buy all the things from him. I think he has a link to something, and I'll put that in the description and all that fun stuff. Uh, so, what have you been playing? We're going to start with playing, because we got a lot to get into with what we've been watching. It's, it is yes. a well, spoiler-heavy time of the year. Well, as anyone who watches our normal weekly stream knows, um, been playing a lot of Mass Effect from the Legendary Collection. Um, <clears throat> currently in the middle of Mass Effect 2 right now. And since it's been so long since I've actually played the stories for Mass Effect, it's kind of like jumping into it with a fresh set of eyes again. Mm -hmm. um, there are still things, there are small details I forgot about the game that every time I see them in my streams really surprise and stand out to me um that and with the updates for the xbox one and other platforms the games look phenomenal i mean the gra the art style for those games really holds up even on the 360 versions but with hd graphics and running at 60 fps it looks even better no invisible um, faces and just seeing mouths and eyes floating in midair yeah none of that stuff <laughs> um there are some bugs and stuff i've run into but that's to be expected with any bioware title honestly um one that carried over from Mass Effect 1 into 2 in the Legendary Collection is one where sometimes Shepard gets stuck facing one direction, no matter which direction I'm trying to move in. <laughs> That's weird. Um, and I have to do a lot of stuff to try to break out of it. Um, but other than that, uh, phenomenal games. Really enjoying the story. Getting into Mass Effect 2, I've recruited most of the characters so far. I got four left to go. Um, I'm kind of holding off on that. If people watch the stream, they know I've been running through a lot of the side DLC content. Um, and all that's just included because this is basically an ultimate version of the game, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I accidentally went through one of the more interesting pieces of DLC earlier on because I forgot what planet exactly it was on. And it looks just like a normal side quest because the map throws all this at you at once mm -hmm. so you can do it at any time kind of like how um, uh, the fallout games did their dlc 
Yes. And then I went through the second piece, which is called Firewalker, which is the one where they give you basically a hover version of the Mako from the first game and some very linear sort of Ooh. missions to drive through. I didn't know that. Um, the Mako yeah, was my so, favorite from the first game. Yes. Um, this one's called the Hammerhead. Um, but it's uh, it's been fun so far. Honestly, it's a lot more fun to play through in this one than the first game. I picked in my first playthrough back in the 360 days, I picked the Soldier class, which is very much just a tanky and damage dealing class. Um, you don't have like cool abilities like biotics and stuff do, but you have some that just let you dish out a lot of damage and take a lot of damage. Um, and your goal is to go, you're going full Renegade, right? Yes. And so this time around I picked Vanguard because playing through Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, um, I remember my Asari Vanguard character was my favorite. She had a biotic charge ability. The thing is, is you don't get that to Mass Effect 2. The Vanguard in Mass Effect 1 was extremely boring to play, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Mass Effect 2, it's a little bit better. The charge isn't nearly as powerful as it could or should be, I think. But I'm making my way through it regardless, and you know, using my shockwave ability, I'm having fun with that because it just tosses people left and right in a path. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, my friend Bino got me a copy of Aliens Fireteam Elite because he wanted something to play with me. <laughs> so that, um, I barely know anything about that besides it's... Is it by one of the same teams that made one of the other um, like isometric horror games? I really don't know. Oh, okay. Um, Let me do some quick googling. Uh, let's see. It was developed by Cold Iron Studios. Oh, they're the ones that I have never heard of before. Yeah. Let's see. They have made some games. Uh, actually, <laughs> you go to their account and literally it only shows Alien, the Alien game. They have worked on City of Heroes, Star Trek Online, and Neverwinter. Worked oh. on, not developed. Yeah. <laughs> But, anyway, Aliens Fireteam Elite, I mean, it's a fun game. It brings back that feeling of the actual Aliens film where, you know, you've got Marines and stuff going on. And I know people That's are right. going to be... Yeah. Sorry, be I just remember, this is the... People are... Left 4 Dead Alien game. Yes. Yeah. It's very much a mix of Left 4 Dead... Gears of War and some of the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer actually, which is what Bino was made my friend Bino send it to me because oh. he loved playing Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. Um, so there's classes in the game, there's five of them currently. There's a gunner, a technician, a doc, a devastator, or sorry, demolisher, and then a recon class. Um, each class gets access to two different weapon slots of various types. So, like the gunner, for example, you get a rifle slot. And you get a close quarters weapon slot, like a shotgun or something similar to that. Um, alternatively, if you play someone with a tech, you get a hand cannon slot and a close quarters weapon slot. Um, but each class has two abilities they can use. Um, and the weapon variety really mixes things up, depending on how you focus on the missions. There aren't just aliens to kill in the game, by the way. Once you get into yeah. the second missions you're killing Wayland yutani synthetics i was about to say i was just um, watching um on my other screen i was having the trailer play and i was seeing some of the i was seeing some white blood explode over the screen so i'm like oh those yeah. are androids yes so um i've been playing mostly the demolisher class which is really fun you get a shoulder mounted micro rocket launcher so you activate that and it launches three rockets out it's kind of like a mortar 
and then you have sort of a shockwave grenade that you can toss at your feet, which knocks enemies back. So, like, say a bunch of aliens are swarming you, you throw that down and it knocks them back and stuns them for a duration. Um, you get access to a rifle slot, so you can have, like, the standard pulse rifle from the game, you can have a burst fire rifle, you can have other types of rifles in there. And then you have a heavy weapon slot, which goes everything from the smart gun, which everyone knows and loves mm-hmm. from the movies, um, up to things like rocket launchers, giant flamethrowers, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, and it's just been fun to play through. Um, the missions are very linear maps that you walk through, similar to Left 4 Dead. You fight horse of aliens coming at you, like Left 4 Dead. <laughs> you fight some uh, synths, which are more sort of Gears of War. They have tons and tons of chest-high cover walls all throughout these maps and stuff, but the maps don't look bad. They look actually really good. Yeah, and it's, um, uh, and it's only up to four players, right? It's only up to three players, oh, actually. Three players? Yep, so three players of any class in a mission at any time. You uh, can play you, with bots. You probably you said that and I by yourself. That's so yeah. weird. I wonder why they limited it to three. I don't know either. Um, but they did limit it to three for now, and... Sorry, I forgot to mute my phone. Um, but... Oh, okay. It's a... Uh, for me, at least, I mean, it's it's a pretty fun game. There's various aliens. Most of the aliens you're fighting are runners, which are just little cannon fodder aliens. They try to swarm you, but then they have special types from spitters to bursters to warriors, which are super tanky. Um, the Wayland yutani synths also have their special types. And um, when you play through the game on, like, the normal difficulties, it's fairly easy run-through for the most part. It's just more or less knowing how to aim and shoot. Mm-hmm. Then you start playing it on the harder difficulties, and it's really up to coordinating your abilities and keeping enemies off you. There are certain parts of each mission where you'll basically activate something that's kind of like an alert the horde from Left 4 Dead, and you have to hold that area for a while, but the game gives you tools to do that with. You find crates, which have consumables in them. You can throw down stuff like sentry guns, you can throw down mines of various types, set up different traps and things like that to sort of hold the enemies off um, and make sure you're not getting swarmed with too much all at once. Yeah. Um, the abilities also sort of synchronize together in a way. Um, the gunner, for example, has... Well, the gunner has like an overclock ability, right? Uh, okay. That increases your fire rate and accuracy and stuff like that. And when used in conjunction with something like a demolisher with a smart gun, it's just like you've basically turned your, your demolisher into a like machine Living gun tank. turret. It can yeah. just stand still and just keep firing. And because the smart gun aims itself, mm-hmm. you're not doing a whole lot of work to make that happen. <laughs> that sounds um, fun. And so it's just... I don't know. I just really like the game. And they've added a lot of like aliens lore to the game as well. You find through intel on certain maps and through exposition with characters around your little home base. Um, it's not like a super AAA production by any stretch of the imagination it's a 40 dollar game but very good for the 40 dollars you pay for it well and like we were saying it's looks like this is their for this team's first full game on their own yeah i mean for what it was i mean this is probably one of the best aliens games i've played in a long time far cry better than colonial marines is well and it's i think it's it's two there are two different types of alien games that people are trying to make there's been those colonial marine type games that have been not the best because they focus way too much on the action and they don't really make it a fun action pack kind of game um mm-hmm. but then you have alien isolation which if they made more of those i don't know if i'd play it because i 
I'm terrified of the, the game. It is terrifying to me, and it scares me very much so. Um, but like those type of games are fantastic. I thought that was such, like the best way to go with an alien game. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, very fun game. And uh, anyone who's a fan of the aliens franchise or just co-op shooters in general, I highly recommend picking this up. Awesome. Uh, so I have not played that or um, Mass Effect. I haven't played Mass Effect since I stopped playing Mass Effect 2 when I found out people could die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> due to my own choices. Uh, actually, no. Save them all. Nah, I don't have that type of commitment. Um, I have been checking out a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, some of this has been a little bit older. Um, others I've played very little of, but already have a good feel of it and really enjoy it. Um, but like, I'll start with Death Door. So Death Door, uh, I believe Devolver published game, because um, that's you know my go-to. I feel like it's our go-to. Everybody. I don't think there's a single a single member of Space on Taco that doesn't love Devolver games. Um, but Death's Door is basically it. I I don't want to say it's Soulsy, because it's not super Soulsy. It's more of just you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. It is, for the most part, fairly easy to like survive and kill the enemies in the game and progress through the world. Um, but it's you're a little little crow, who your job is to collect souls, and basically while you're on a mission, um, the soul you're trying to collect is stolen from somebody else. And you now have to help this person basically defeat all these other enemies before he will let you, I, guess, I think it's before he'll let you get, get your soul, that, that soul back. Because basically the way that the, 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 the exchange works is if you don't get that soul, you can die. You, you can live and just die like a normal person instead of a reaper. Um, and it's, it's a really pretty game. It's a really challenging game, but not, like, stupid challenging. Like I said, it's I don't want to compare it to Souls because it's not. You just put four hours into a thing. Oh, guess what? You lost all that progress because you fell off a cliff. Um, <laughs> uh, it's much more um, forgiving in that regard, in my opinion. Um it is just big, and people have also been calling it very Zelda-like, because it really is like hack-and-slash kind of thing. Um, I am nowhere near far enough into it to go into much detail about, like, the abilities and leveling up and all that. I think I've only, I only beat, like, one of the main bosses and then explored the next world, but then kind of moved on to other things. Probably got pulled into playing some, like, Phasmophobia or Dead by Daylight or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I highly recommend that, um... As always, if Devolver puts out a game, we probably are already going to recommend it. Um, another game that I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. Um, so we love Halo. And I think, yeah, we all, for the most part, love uh, Portal. Um, Splitgate is like, if those two just fucked. Um, <laughs> Nate, have you seen anything about Splitgate? Yes. Okay. Have you played any of Splitgate? I have not played it, but I've seen a lot of videos of it. Uh, 
one, I've seen a video of the devs playing Splitgate, and it is ridiculous. Like, they don't traverse the world on their own at all. They literally just shoot a plat- shoot portal to a portal to a portal to a portal and just keep going back and forth through the different ends of the portal to get around and then get a kill. And I'm like, that's... Nope, I can't. My mind doesn't process that way. Um, <laughs> but the two matches, two or three matches I played, um, I know one match, the first match I played... I was number one for kills on my team. Um, and it really is, Splitgate really is just, it's the fast-paced game, the fast-paced gameplay of Halo with that extra traversal technique where if you set up a portal, if it's your portal, if it's an enemy portal, you can shoot through that portal, you can go through that portal, you can destroy that portal. Um, and it just changes everything about like positioning in the game. Uh, I love when you exhale your vape and there's just smoke coming up. It looks like you're just burning slowly. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's it. God, there's something about it. Like we, me, uh, Damien, and Lou have recently gotten back and just played like random nights of Halo. Um, and one thing we realize is, man, if you didn't continuously play halo you suck at halo now uh, the pe- <laughs> like we get in a game and we spawn all three of us are headshot like that um mm-hmm. but there the fact that this game even though it's very similar gameplay and the the shooting and everything feels just as smooth it seems like it's more of a level playing field right now um i don't know if that's going to be a if i don't keep into it I'm going to also be left in the dust. Um, But Hmm. it's definitely something, especially right now, it's free. And they announced that it's going to stay in beta for a while longer because they want to make sure everything works uh, exactly how they want it to. Um, But I highly recommend it. Like I said, free. Definitely check it out. It's really fun. Um, There's matchmaking. There's there's, uh, season passes like everything else nowadays. Um, Spend spend money on your game to look how you want, you know. (laughs) Um, Hmm. But yeah, I Splitgate is yeah, it's fun. I just like fun games. I don't want. We've talked about this. We, I don't need to be the most competitive person. I just yeah. want to enjoy. And this game literally is like, hey, go pew pew, murder murder, fun fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the last game, specific game. I'm gonna bring up something else completely. But the last specific game that I played, and I actually played through the entire thing in one sitting. Um, is behind the frame. This was a indie game that was shown off maybe a year or two at one of the um, many. Actually, I think it. I think it was two years ago. Many indie focused uh, little presentations that just happened throughout the year. Um, it has a very Ghibli esque, like family-friendly, light-hearted look to it. Um, and it's a, it's a basically a puzzle game that's telling you a story. And I went into this game being like, oh, this looks cute. You're an artist. You are painting. You're, like, trying to submit your work to, um, to a gallery or to a school or something like that so you can get in on a scholarship kind of thing overseas. And uh, you... Start out like that. It, like I said, it's just a little puzzle game. Oh, okay, cute little fun. Um, and very quickly, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to be crying by the end of the night. Um, 
And yeah, by the end of this game, I was just bawling. Uh, Kim, I think at one point Kim came over and was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Um, I, <laughs> now that I think about it, please don't say this is a Devolver game too. I don't think it is. That'd be fucked up. Um, <laughs> I promise I play other people's games. Um, no, this is Silver Lining. It was published by uh, Akupara. Yeah, Akupara Games, who have also published Spinch. Hell yeah, Spinch. Um, but it's by Silver Lining Studio. Um, I don't know if they've made anything else. Now I gotta check. I always like looking at these things just to see what else they've made. No, it looks like that might just be the only one. Eh, whatever. It's really good. I really liked it. Oh, weird. Somebody... Oh, it's so weird. I keep forgetting that people do this. There's people that have been playing it and they like they're sharing the the videos of them playing it as VTubers. So it's little mm -hmm. anime anim, little anime people playing little anime game. Um, <laughs> it's cute. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, okay. Once on yeah. So they've made spin the the publishers done Spinch, uh, Desert Child, Metronomicon, Slay the Dance Floor. <laughs> <laughs> the dark side detective they it looks they've got some weird ass looking games i might need to look at some more of these um yeah. be yeah, a very very emotional game uh was not expecting that going in like i said i thought it was gonna be you know lighthearted um instead of gut punch sadness sadness happiness <laughs> i don't know it's it's a combination um i was it, there's a point where no spoilers i thought it was going in one direction and then it takes a completely different direction. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not it's not a long game. Like I said, I think I beat it in maybe two, three hours. Uh, I'm mad because I got to the end and I am like looked at the Steam achievements. It's like, you have like 10 achievements you still need to get. I'm like, oh, I got to replay the whole thing now. <laughs> oh, hold on one sec. I got a drink. Yeah, so part of the uh, one to record it is because I'm kind of... We had a long day yesterday. Yeah. We were out all day long. Um, and I'm still kind of just dead. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, pulling back in. Uh, definitely pick it up. It's on Steam. I don't think... Uh, oh, you know what? It's on Steam and Switch, which makes me think the place that I originally saw it was a... Uh, Nindy's event um, mm -hmm. so highly recommend that uh, last thing that I want to bring up gaming wise is Kim bought us an Oculus Quest 2 yeah um, now I know and I feel the same about this initially um, Facebook is trash Facebook is a trash company and Facebook makes horrible decisions including basically forcing people to have Facebook accounts to use Oculus equipment. Um, mm -hmm. On top of 
what I found out when looking into this, Facebook has discontinued the um, manufacturing of any Oculus stuff besides the Quest 2. The Rift no longer exists. Yeah. And the reasoning is because now you can buy the connecting the PC connection cable, or whatever it's called, for like 80 bucks. So you can play yeah. all VR games on it just at the lower price point. Which, in all honesty, with the headset itself and then the controller, that's not bad. You can still have access to all those Steam games, have access to all the other VR games on the market, and it's at such a lower price point that I, I think it's worth it. Uh, you just have to deal with that fucking bullshit of having to have a Facebook account. So, Well, that's the price you pay, pay for entry-level VR at this point, because if you think about something like... I, don't know, I think HTC Vive is kind of the go-to VR headset. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have to set up base stations. You still have to have enough physical space just to play in. Yeah. Um, you still have to go through all the calibration and you know drawing your boundaries and all that stuff like that. Where the Vive or the Quest, by comparison, is a comparatively easy setup compared to most VR platforms out there. You literally, all you have to do is you draw a square that you want to play in and be like, this is the play area I'm using today. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Um, so the the headset that I've wanted the most is also one of the most expensive. I would, expensive? Expensive. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have been able to get the Steam VR headset. Um, yeah. Because it is the highest, like, everything. I think everything about that is better than all the other competitors right now, um, including the controller. Uh, and I mean, really, I just want to play Alex. I want to play Half-Life Alex. And technically, I can. I spend 80 bucks, and then buy the game. I can play it on my PC. My PC was is PC ready or uh, VR ready, according to when I bought it. <laughs> Whether or not it's VR ready for like current gen VR games, I have no idea. Um, well, but no, we. Uh, our friends, the Hoxers, uh, had picked up a VR headset. They had been using it for um, Beat Saber. We were over and played a little bit of that, and Kim was immediately like, I, we need we need one of these. And I'm like, well, there's one for like $200, $300. And she's like, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we waited until they came back in stock, immediately got it, and we both have been playing a bunch of Beat Saber. Um she played the demo. I was not expecting this at all. Um, she played the demo for Super Hot and loved it. So she's like, "We're going to buy that, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, it's great. <laughs> I like. I already enjoyed Super Hot regular on like PC or uh, Xbox. I can't remember what I played on, but like playing that in VR is fucking incredible. Um, but I also picked up one of the few games that I've bought so far for it is um, Vader Immortal. Which is a basically just a Star Wars movie that you're playing. Um, mm -hmm. It takes place in. Ooh, I don't remember if it's. I think it's pre original trilogy. I think, yes. Because um, I think it exists, yeah, in a little time. I think it is almost like a companion piece to one of the comic book stories. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't got very far in it. Uh, I actually played it. And, like, I was playing it as the headset was very close to dying. So it's like, hey, I'm going to die soon. Ah, okay, cool, I'll stop right now. Um, right <laughs> as, like, the story was starting to pick up. Um, but it's 
it's so cool to to just be in the world of Star Wars. Um, and also, like, watching those movies, you're like, all right, cool, Vader, really powerful, I guess. He's not really the most scary-looking thing in the world. Uh, that motherfucker is big. They, like... Yeah the height difference compared to like to a normal human in vader it's almost on the same level as like master chief um canonically vader's like seven feet tall yeah i guess i never really paid attention to that because in most games you don't really the the height isn't different like one of those first games that you ever fight um vader saber to saber or whatever it's like all right cool you're about the same height who fucking cares um I mean, I'm also. I guess I'm also. Wasn't Vader playable in one of the Soul Calibur games? He wasn't that tall. <laughs> Unless yeah, he you were was playing... pretty big in Soul Calibur, but yeah. every character is fucking massive in Soul Calibur. Besides Yoda, <laughs> I mean, Astaroth is the tallest character in Soul Calibur, but he's humongous. So, yeah. like, that's that's understandable. My only problem with VR headsets, and I'm glad that Oculus does let you get these as um, accessories, is because I wear, like, prescription-strength glasses. I don't know. Have you had a problem with this with your Oculus Quest? Have you needed the lenses for that? I have not. So there's, like, a a spacer that pulls it a little bit further away so you can wear your glasses. Um, Mm -hmm. We have not put that in. Kim and I both wear glasses. She's, like, 100% blind without glasses, too. Um, But we literally, I like, we'll put them on with our glasses on. And mm-hmm. it's, it's enough room that it hasn't bugged, uh, given us any problems yet. Um, okay. Yeah, it's the it's pretty simple to use. I mean, it's quick yeah. setup. Um, the biggest disappointment is, and I say a disappointment, when you think about playing video games, my mind immediately goes to like my days where I'm playing five, eight hours of, of Minecraft. Like, I mean to play for 30 minutes and I play for fucking hours. Um, mm. You can't really do that with this. It has like a three, four hour battery life um, if you're just constantly playing games. And I mean, I get it. You are you have a VR computer strapped to your face. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not going to be the greatest battery life. Um, you can buy a battery pack for it that expands it to about eight hours. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. We might get that. We we if we keep it long enough and it, we notice like shorter battery life or whatever, we'll probably pick that up for it. Um, but right now, yeah. it's just fun. It, we just you can just throw it on whenever. Uh, it is officially hers. So like, if I come home and we if we both come home and we're both like, I want to play VR, she gets first dibs because it's hers. Yeah. Uh, I own literally every other gaming product in existence <laughs> in this building in this house. Um, wow. so I'm like, yeah, she gets one. <laughs> um, my, my other gripe with this is they went from the original Oculus Quest being black to this one being like pure white. It is. Yeah. That is really weird. Um, and, like I'm not going to dog white accessories. Like they're cool looking and whatever like that, but I have sweaty ass hands and this controller is going to get grinded up so fast. <laughs> yeah, but you can see it and then you can clean it better. Um, <laughs> The only thing, and I've, I've had that issue too, but my mind has been thinking about it on the fact that, like, I have everything else. 90% of the things I own electronic-wise are black. My phone's black. My at Literally all of my screens, computer, everything black. Everything just blends into each other. So I can't lose this. 
<laughs> it's nice, white, bright. I can see it. I'm like, where did I put that controller? Oh, it's right there. Um, yeah. So that's nice. And I mean, that's the same thing with uh, the Series S. Um, while the X is completely black, the Series S is um, all white. The main controller was all white. I uh, used yeah. the main controller for my PC, but... And I have the two. I have two other ones. But the back is white. They made it so I can't lose it as easily. On the other hand, I lose the fucking Switch Pro Controller all the goddamn time. So well, sometimes it's okay to be yes. white. And they aren't manufacturing or selling the original Quest anymore, or the Rift. Mm -mm. But they do still sell accessories for both. Yeah, uh, they're being nice enough to still let you support the thing you already paid for. Um... I was starting to wonder why that. I kept seeing like the original quest pop up a lot on Facebook Marketplace, and now I know <laughs> it's not as good. Um, it looks better, quite like mm. I mean, like I said, we like that we like the black consoles. It happens, um, but the uh, yeah, the Quest Two is just performs better in just about everything else. I think um, mm. I don't know. Actually, I want to see what is what. Is video quality of Quest 2. Oop, gonna cough again. Not dead. Um, let's see. Stereoscopic up to 5760 by 5760 at 60 FPS. I don't know what that means, Nate. <laughs> Well, the resolution on the screen, from what I've seen and what I've heard, is actually pretty freaking good. Yeah. Um, compared to other cheaper knockoff offerings out there, especially. Um, and compared to the first version of this platform, the resolution is definitely increased. That being said, in VR, you don't really need, like, 1080p or even, you don't really need 4K or 1080p, honestly. Your face is so close to that screen being projected that mm -hmm. you're making out most of the detail that 1080p or 4K is made to compensate for. Yeah. Um, you know, from what I've seen, all the graphics on 90% of VR games are passable or better. I've never seen a VR game that looks like crap, honestly. Unless it's made to look like crap. Well, yes, unless it's made that specific way. There are certain games on VR that I would love to play. Um, just the ones featured on the Quest uh, homepage, stuff like the Climb 2, which is a rock climbing simulator. Um, Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which is just sort of mini stories from Star Wars. Yeah, they just put out a new expansion for that. Yes. Um, probably wouldn't play Population 1 because it's just a Battle Royale game, and I'm kind of done with those, honestly. <laughs> where are you seeing this list? Which is the, where is, is this on the actual this website? On the, yeah, on the actual website. Yeah. Um, but there are VR games that I've seen in the past that I would love to play. Things like Grom, uh, Blade and Sorcery. Uh... So, Blade and Sorcery, you can't play on the normal headset, on the Quest on its own. Um, mm -hmm. There are some, no, and that's, would... that's where that, that, that difference is, which is kind of disappointing that there are a lot of hand, there are a lot of games that's like, oh, I've really wanted to play this, now I have one, oh, I have to mm -hmm. have the cord to hook up to my PC before I can actually play that. Yeah. Well, I would more than likely be getting the PC link cable with this because I would install most of my VR stuff on my PC to begin with. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Um, the onboard memory for this thing still isn't that great. I mean, what is it, 256 megabytes to get the... And that's $400 for that one? It's gigabytes. Or gigs, sorry. Why did I say megabytes? Nobody um, makes megabytes. I know. Yeah, so we didn't get that. We got the, the smaller one because the bigger one wasn't available right now. Um, annoyingly. It's like 120-something 100, gigs. Uh, but, like, we don't play enough that it's too bad. Um, there is... What is it? The uh, oh, there's a fear VR. I forgot. Um, I like to check. They have every once in a while they do sales, and it's they, it's mm-hmm. not the best, but hey, a sale's a sale. Um, job Simulator. Job Simulator is definitely on that list yeah. of like I want to buy that now. Um, job Simulator is a fun game. Um, Trover saves the universe. Uh, <laughs> what's the the other one? Accounting Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Just some stupid yeah, shit. I, would, I think I would love to also try out Boneworks. Boneworks is definitely like up my alley. That is a um, that is definitely one of the I am going to buy the cord and play that for. Just like mm-hmm. the Alex. Once I get that cord, I'm immediately buying Alex on PC. Um, yeah, I think I already have started adding some of these games to my my uh, Steam wish list and stuff. Um, yeah, got a headset, got a VR headset, loving it so far. Um, I'm just gonna cut. I'm just cutting some stuff out because reasons. Um, yeah, headset, do it. I don't, don't do it. It's up to you. <laughs> we're, not, we're not telling you to buy anything, except for uh, all those other games that we mentioned ahead of time. Oh, all right, Nate. Let's go some go through some uh, quick quick news stuff. Before we get into the fun bulk of this, which is just talking about Shang-Chi. Um, but, speaking of Shang-Chi, do you hear the awesome news about Shang-Chi? Yes. Is it because I wrote it on the thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, before the release of the movie, um, there was some quote-unquote controversy that may or may not have been actual controversy, and I'm still like, whatever, I don't fucking care, just word things better, Disney CEO. Um, the, but the CEO of Disney, Bob Chappick, basically was like, hey, uh, we're excited to see... He, he basically called Shang-Chi an experiment. Um, in what... He, in his words, what that meant was... This is the first movie we're releasing that isn't also getting a simultaneous or um, premiere access release on Disney+. Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. What some other people took that as, and I kind of, until like they tried to backtrack a little bit, and I'm like, oh, I guess that could have been the reasoning, but whatever. Um, it came off very... <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, we're experimenting with an all-Asian cast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, they came out, they were like, hey, it's an experiment in this kind of release. It's the first COVID, post-COVID, let's just go with Um, post-2020, theater-only release. And luckily, uh, so far it's doing well. Um, Shang-Chi has now broken the record for Labor Day weekend release. 
um, the previous record holder was surprisingly. I looked at this because uh, I heard the news or read the news, and I immediately was like, "What else is in there?" Um, mm-hmm. So the top ten. This is going to be a very weird fucking top ten. Um, number ten is Machete from hmm. 2010. Um, num- number nine is Balls of Fury. <laughs> Number eight, Jeepers Creepers. Uh, Number seven, The American, which I think is that fucking sniper movie starring... Oh, no, no. The American is... uh, It's a... What's his name? Um, It's got... uh, George George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, oddly enough, number six, Jeepers Creepers 2. That's that's actually kind of interesting to see two movies from the same series. Um... Number five, One Direction, This Is Us. You know, everybody <laughs> loves concert movies. Uh, number four, Transporter 2. Uh, awesome movie. That probably, of all this, out of all ten of these movies, that might be my second favorite. Um, number three, The Possession. Um, but number two, which just got beaten out this weekend, and still going, because, I mean, it's still, the weekend's not over. Um, Halloween. 20, 2007's Halloween. The the, hmm. it's not. It was the who was that? That was um. My mind's blanking on that guy's name. Can you remember his name without looking it up? The director. What name of who? The director. Halloween. Yeah. No, Damn. I don't know the director of Halloween. Uh, Rob Zombie. That's right. Whew. No, really? Yeah, Rob Zombie did the remake. Um. I mean, he must have done a good enough job. It got number one, number one holiday box office weekend results. Um, so that made, uh, oh, total gross, fifty-eight million. Um, Shang Chi at this point has eighty-three point five million. <laughs> <laughs> it is like by far the best performing of this weekend. Oh, I just realized so that's just total gross in general because the gross is just for that weekend and that was Halloween was 30,000 30.5,000 almost 30.6. <laughs> Damn. That's I don't know if it's sad or impressive. Why I think I think what we learned is that Marvel has never released a movie on Labor Day weekend. <laughs> No, they haven't, but I think they made the right move in this case. I mean, people have the extra time off. Um, this is a theater-only release, as you have mentioned. It's mm-hmm. not premiere access through Disney+. Plus. So anyone who wants to keep up on Marvel movies in general, like us, are going to see this this weekend. We're actually going to see it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this. So this is the second... I think because I don't think we well, we left Endgame and immediately we're like we need to go see this again. I think we saw it again. I can't remember, um, but I know for a fact this is the second, at least the second one of these movies that came after the movie was immediately like we're going to go see that again. I'm like, all right, cool, uh, because the first one was Miss Marvel or Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel. I keep wanting because it's coming because Miss Marvel is coming. I can't not say Miss Marvel. Um, <laughs> she when we saw Captain Marvel immediately afterwards, she's like, boom, wanna. I want to see that again. And I think we literally went to see it the next day. Um, 
I'm going through all the other movies that are on this list, and I'm like, there is a surprising amount of horror movies that release on uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Like this well, one. I mean, Idiocracy. That is one of the worst. That's a terrifying horror movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, now, we're not going to get into the Shang-Chi stuff right away. Uh, we're going to move on to... I want to save this one for a little bit, too. Um, get into some game stuff real quick. Uh, Sony announced, after some... Not the, the greatest... Uh, pre-ordered I guess the New Horizon game kinda mm-hmm. was weird about pre-orders um, there's also like f- nine different versions of that fucking game that are available um, of course and only some of them had both versions where you got a Playstation 4 and a Playstation 5 copy um, mm-hmm. but Playstation came out to confirm that they are going to give everybody that gets Horizon Forbidden West on PS4, they're going to give them a PS5 copy for an upgrade for free. Um, But in doing so, they also confirmed that moving forward, um, PlayStation First Party exclusive cross-gen... I'm just reading this thing off the quote now. PlayStation First Party exclusive cross-gen titles newly releasing on PS4 and 5, both digital and physical, will offer a $10 digital upgrade option. Um... They're saying that it'll apply next. It apply to the next God of War and Gran Turismo Seven and any other exclusive cross-gen PS4, PS5 t- titles published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, which is, I don't know. It's it's. They're basically going back on their initial word, I guess. Uh, at the launch of the PlayStation Five, they were very much, "Hey, free upgrades from PlayStation Four to PlayStation Five if it's a cross." release game like if it's not only on playstation 5 we're not or whatever i don't know but even back then they kind of fucked around with that because they're like oh we're not doing it with spider-man though spider-man doesn't count um i don't know it's sony has this issue with this gen where they are wording things poorly and they are just kind of doing things that a lot of people um are looking at as anti-customer um don't don't tell any fanboy that because then they'll immediately argue that well at least we have first party games, um, <laughs> and I'm like all right cool enjoy your last that, Bethesda game, in and of itself is an anti consumer <laughs> like I'm sorry the the whole the whole not upgrading for free is an anti consumer thing you've already got people paying buku bucks to get holes of PS5s yeah well not only that. To some PlayStation 5 versions of games are now $70. They're no longer that $60 price point. They're now going up that extra $10. So for oh. them, they're like, well, hey, pay that extra $10 and you get the game. Um, well, here's the funny thing. The last like industry person um, I've heard say that $60 actually may be too much for a video game is surprisingly EA's former CEO. Yeah. Like... He said straight up that like not every game is worth sixty bucks, mm-hmm. uh, and now Sony is trying to set this industry standard of the seventy dollar price point, which again is a big anti-consumer move. Like I'm sorry, people are hurting. 
for cash right now. And I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, oh, well, if you can't afford it, don't spend money on it. Like, people need to consume entertainment as part of their regular daily lives. Um, otherwise, your life is just boring and bleak and, frankly, depressing. Um, and, you know, video games are a great way to just escape from the mundane and it lets you engage with a story in a way that other media doesn't offer. And to put it behind an ever-increasing paywall is just ridiculous to me. I mean, what is the point of charging people 10 bucks? Like, how much profit could Sony really be generating from charging people $10 extra to upgrade their games from a PS4 to a PS5 version? Like, what is the point? Like, is Sony hurting for money that badly? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. So, and that's... It's funny because that is one thing that people do bring up is... The PlayStation is at this point Sony's main money maker. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't. I feel like this might have been one of the conversations we had on the last pod or one of our last podcasts. But Sony's biggest money makers, I think, at this point are PlayStation and um, whatever they put Spider Man on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, while you have Microsoft, who's like, yeah, 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 we can spend the money on Xbox. We can throw this money into all these games for Game Pass by these mm -hmm. studios but that's because we also have the number one um operating system operating for your system. computer we have all these other things that are used by every company in the world um they don't need xbox i think they just want to have xbox at this point um, well the, thing. the the age of widespread consumer electronics has kind of died mm -hmm. um you know, no one needs a personal MP3 player anymore when you've got your phone to do that all for you. Yeah. Um, no one needs, you know, a home theater stereo system like they used to. And a lot of competitors who made TVs broke into that market anyway and sort of outcompeted Sony. Vizio sells sound bars for their TVs, like, with their TVs now. Really? <laughs> um, yes. Oh, I might need to get a Vizio. Um, <laughs> You know, Samsung kind of has the premier smart TVs on the market now. Um, so, I mean, Sony came out with their Vio laptops as a competitor to Dell's XPS laptops, and they just don't do well. Um, and so Sony really, yeah, I mean, I guess the PS5 is the only thing Sony has. I think if Sony went full tilt like Xbox did and just, I mean, of course, Xbox is still a subsidiary of Microsoft, but if Sony went full tilt into just being a games company, they'd probably end up doing a lot better at this point, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, they need to... Oh, so, ooh, that's a whole other rumor that I didn't put on this list, but we can definitely talk about. Um, no, I... Back to the actual story. It is disappointing. Um, I feel bad for... Again, this isn't a Xbox versus Sony uh, versus PlayStation thing. This is a this sucks for gamers kind of thing. Um, yeah. When you go into a console being told, hey, if you buy our games for the older one, you can get it for the newer one um, for free. Uh, the fact that I can, on Xbox, ignoring Game Pass, pretend I don't have Game Pass, pretend Game Pass isn't a thing, which is really hard to do. Um, pretend I bought... 90% of my game library. Exactly. Like I, I, 100% <laughs> at this point, because I don't have a... I don't have a... I can't physically own anything anymore. Um, series S, all digital. Uh, but yeah, uh, the fact that I can be like, oh, there's a new game that came out. I can play 
in multiple floors if I have like my old Xbox One, and then mm-hmm. I have my Xbox One S, and then I have my Xbox One X or sorry Series S. I can be like, oh, I want to play on this. Oh, but now I'm in this room, I can play on this. Oh, I want to play it on the good TV. Let me switch over to here. I don't have to buy multiple versions of the games. Because, um, again, I'm looking at it in a digital version because that's all I play. Um, I like the having the option. Because um, there are families. Families that they give the kid the lower end of the the lower end model um Mm -hmm. and it's not so much as like fuck you you don't get the good thing it's like hey i were like kind of build up a trust almost with your kid be like hey i'm gonna give you this yeah and then we can move on to the bigger thing and you can use the better thing every once in a while or whatever again this is this is somebody that doesn't have kids but i can the thought process i feel like makes sense I mean, if if it weren't for handy hand me down like game consoles, I don't think a lot of us in our generation would even be gamers at this point. Like you got a Nintendo or say a Genesis or an SNES by the grace of your parents, and if you had well-to-do parents, of course they brought you a brand new one, probably around the time it came out. But for me, <laughs> Chris is creeping off screen there. <laughs> um, for me, my parents were never, you know, super wealthy or anything. My dad had a salary from the military most of his adult life while I was a child. My mom was working, you know, a regular 40-hour job back when those were still a viable means to support yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I remember I begged her one Christmas for a PS2 for, like, the longest time. Like, absolutely, like, down on my knees begged her. And the PS2 at launch was, like, $600 fucking dollars. Oh, it was ridiculous. Oh, God. You know, um, looking back and finding out the the pricing on the older consoles and being like, sure. oh, I have this? Oh, shit. Um, but, I mean, alas to say she couldn't get it for me, but my dad was nice enough to, when he got his PS2, to hand me and my brother down his PS1. That's cool. And so that was our foray into PS1 gaming, and we loved it. We loved everything about it. And then when I was, you know, when the PS2 came down in price and I had my own money and enough to buy my own, that's like the first thing I got <laughs> was a PS2 for myself. Um, and so just by virtue of that, if I didn't have hand-me-down consoles, if I didn't have an SNES or an NES and a Genesis, I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I lucked into being born into a house that had a Nintendo, an original Nintendo. Um which I always, I always enjoy giving my dad shit whenever he talks about, like, you know, when people hit that point, it's like, why are you playing games? You're an adult, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you were an adult that bought that. You are the reason I play video games. You were an adult <laughs> when you made me play video games. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's there's always a generational gap in the consumption of media, like. Our parents can't lie that they were big record and CD collectors back in their day, if they could afford to be. Um, you know, that was their thing. Parents after that, I mean, I, I look at the way my grandma consumes cable television on a regular basis. Like, she's not in a room without a TV on. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, I you mean, know. You can't, you can see the corner, but I'm like, there's a TV on right behind me. Yes. It's like, you can't really complain about younger generations being into video games so much. That is our ages. You know, that's our era's way of consuming media now. <laughs> yeah. Um, either that or short burst video formats. <laughs> yeah. Which which might be a little bit more for the younger generation, but some of us older, younger people do it. 
I, be. I, sorry, all, my mind. Whole... You talking about collecting CDs yes. and, and records, I just looked over and I forgot that I literally have... <laughs> Speaking of collectible music shit, uh, the last Gorillaz album they put out as tapes, cassette nice. tapes. Cassette tapes. There are children that don't know what these are. Yes. Well, that was actually a big thing in the lo-fi market. When lo-fi had become big, lo-fi and vaporwave had become big, mm-hmm. um, a lot of music producers were putting their albums on cassette tapes for release. Oh, wow. Because that was the that was the way you wanted to listen to lo-fi, right? Yeah. Is the whole purpose of it was to have that low fidelity experience. <laughs> you don't so, want to listen to lo-fi music on like a really nice high quality. <laughs> well, it's just without the little pops. The thing is, is like when you listen to it digitally, like through YouTube or something like that, the pops and clicks that you would expect from like a record player or a cassette are edited in mm-hmm. to the track. Um, when you listen to it through a cassette tape, though, it's a normal part of the experience. Um, same thing with the vinyl is that's a normal part of that experience that you that you have to hear. Yeah. Um, so it's just a completely different transition from listening to it in an HD format versus listening to it in its original low fidelity, literally a piece of magnetic tape. And as, <laughs> and a, as, a somebody, as somebody that had in his first car, all he had was a cassette player. Um, I'm a fan. I don't oh, need yeah. the, the greatest quality sometimes. Give me my music with the the. Sound. Well, that your cassettes <laughs> will last forever. I mean, those things will be artifacts. <laughs> it depends on how many times you listen to it. Well, <laughs> same thing with v- VHS. Did the same thing where if you watched a, a video for too too many times, it just started dying. Oh god, I can't tell you how many times we used to run the cleaning tape through our VHS player. It would clean the headers off, and like that was a thing. And then you pop your VHS in and just pray that it worked. Yeah. I'm so glad. See, and that's, I like, I like, um, digital. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people, Dave, for instance, Dave is very much a, I like my physical media. I like things physically. I don't want blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get it. I understand. I don't need it. I don't always need it. I, I have a box full of DVDs now, DVDs and Blu-rays. And I'm like, I don't have something to watch these on. Yeah. My like uh, my old Blu-ray player was my Xbox. My current Xbox doesn't even have a disk drive. Yeah, I mean my my issue with physical media was always, and we've talked about this before, the preservation and the ownership of that mm-hmm. media. Right, because if you buy a piece of physical media, you own that copy of it. That is yours now yeah. to do what you want to do with. You could take those cassette players or those cassette tapes from Gorillas, and you could record them and distribute them if you wanted to. I mean, <laughs> there's that. nothing stopping you from doing that, honestly. <laughs> Um, but if you own it digitally, like you have a license, you can, you can finagle your way into distributing that media if you want to, but it's a lot harder to do. And if the hard drive where you have that stored dies all of a sudden, if it's not on a service like Spotify, you've lost that media. You, you can't get it back. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that is where media exists now. It exists in a digital format stored on hard drives and servers around the world. And if you lose access to that server or that drive, that media is just gone. No one can See, recover it's, it. I, it's one of those things where there's two sides of it where, yes, there it could be gone. If you do that, you could throw it in a cloud. Something had happened to that cloud server and it'd be gone forever. Um, but at the same time, talking about the physical side of things, mm-hmm. things holding up 
game, old game consoles, old Nintendo, old um, car, any cartridge-based system. Think mm-hmm. about how quickly, not quickly, but how much of those, how many of those actual physical consoles even work anymore. Um, yeah. Let alone the 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 cartridge themselves deteriorating over time. So it is. That's a whole other side of the the yeah. preservation of like and obviously we were talking about other media but video games specifically um well we're, we're lucky enough to have boutique manufacturers like the guys who make the retron consoles yeah to bring too bad they can't make cool. higher quality versions yeah um there's even boutique manufacturers out there who will print new parts and pcbs for old game consoles um so you can get like a completely replacement say motherboard for your nes if you need it mm. Speaking of speaking of people making like custom versions of things, um, Kim and I had a conversation on the way home the uh, last night um, where she now requires not once like maybe once and jokingly once she requires a a hit clip <laughs> of thirty second snippet from. Uh, Jimmy's Jimmy uh, Jimmy's Chicken Shack song. Um, mm. Now, for anybody that's listening that has no idea what the fuck a hit clip is, imagine you are in the early two thousands, and not everybody MP three players are not like aren't like a big thing. They mm. I think exist, but are really fucking expensive. Um, but imagine somebody was like, "Hey, do you want to listen to your songs on the go?" Fuck that. Do you want to listen to a song on the go? Hell yeah. Who wouldn't <laughs> want to do that? Now, how do you? How much do you want to listen to 30 seconds of a song that you love <laughs> whenever you want? Just over and over again. Just keep hitting the button over and over again. When that's Hit Clips. Hit Clips was the dumbest, greatest idea ever. Um, and so now I have to look into seeing how much it would cost to get like a repro version of mm-hmm. just that song on a fucking Hit clip. Well, here's, I found a Hit Clips boombox, uh, tested and works great, $30 on eBay. Oh, now <laughs> I just need to get a clip and reprogram the music on it. <laughs> yeah. so the problem with the Hit Clips thing is it's a format and form factor that's similar to SD cards, but mm-hmm. it is 100% proprietary to the company that produced Hit Clips. Oh, so there's someone, there is someone out there. There's <laughs> someone out there that can do it. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. It's probably on Etsy. Who fucking knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, out of all the things you get from Hit Clips is they started with the little, like, faux CD player thing, right? And you had Yeah, the little, the little mini... Oh, man. Yeah, that shit you had the so square fun. cards that you plugged into that. They had a Hit Clips actual carabiner, like, keychain thing that yeah. you could them all to and play it off of that, even. You had the boombox, and then you had the pen. Oh, I forgot the about the pen. <laughs> oh my god. And oh. so the pen was the way to go. And then there was also, I remember at the very end of their product line, there was a Hit Clips earbud player. Um, so you would literally just strap this thing to your ear and slam your little faux CDs into that oh and god. play them that way. <laughs> this shit was so bad. Oh yeah. 2002. I forgot but, they made a pen. Oh yeah, this really paved the way for your portable MP3 players and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the earliest MP3 players weren't like you didn't download stuff to the MP3 
player itself. You put it on an SD card and you yeah. slot that to your player. <laughs> I think my dad still has one of those. FM radio, hit clip FM radio, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. I remember having an MP3 player that was really cheap. It was basically a flash drive that you stored music on and just had play and fast forward buttons on it. And a headphone jack. <laughs> oh, God. All right, we went way too far into hit clips. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I feel like let's let's kind of... This is fun shit. We don't have to talk about this. I'm just excited for some new stuff, but let's... Down the rabbit hole with hit clips. We're going to do... We're going to go on one more quick topic. Um, not the best mm -hmm. topic. Oh. And then we're going to talk about Shang-Chi, and then... Uh, looks like we might be going to get Cold Stone, according to Kim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, for those that don't know, um, Kim is we, our current situation. Kim can hear everything that I'm saying and doing right now. She's just at the other end of the basement that we're living in currently. Hi, Kim. But he, she can't hear you. Hi, Kim. She. Ow. Nate says hi. She doesn't want to respond. She's ignoring me. Rude. Um, so yeah, Nate, you've looked into it now. I um, I haven't experienced it. I uh, I have been following it through the eyes of friends and people I know on Twitter, Twitter, in Twitch. Um, Twitch is is trash. Twitch has been trashed for a very long time, but now there's a new reason that they're trash. Uh, and would you like to go into some detail on that? Uh, sure. So, people may have seen trending on Twitter the Twitch Do Better hashtag. Um, that was started by a Twitch streamer who I'm forgetting the name of already, but, uh, oh, Wreck It Raven is her name. Um, who is actually a friend of the channel. Yes. Um, but basically, the Twitch Do Better hashtag was started um, as a response to hate raids, which happen on Twitch. For those of you unfamiliar with the platform, you as a streamer, if you're done streaming or want to end your stream in an exciting way that also helps other streamers, you can raid their channels. That transfers all the viewers and chatters from your stream into theirs. Um, and it'll tell you how many people they raided with and so on and so, far, so forth. Um, it's a really neat feature, in theory to sort of help larger channels boost the viewership of smaller channels or just channels that they like. I will say real quick, oh. just to talk about that, it is a system that is also already broken um, because for yeah. those views to count, you then have to refresh the page when you get when you take part in one of those raids. Uh, exactly. Which I feel like defeats the whole purpose, but whatever. Fuck it. It does. Um, but uh, beyond that... Um... <clears throat> Everyone knows about Amazon's purchase of Twitch and so on and so forth. Amazon purchased Twitch for a billion dollars. They now take 50% of your revenue if you're a monetized streamer, which already makes it a trash platform. But what really makes it trash is, as with all gaming spaces, there are just toxic trash people in them. And what happens with these raids is now people are getting hate raided. And a big problem with this is now the hate raid process is basically automated. People can fill up their channels with bots program them to say certain things, usually despicable, offensive things, and send them to someone else's stream. And the problem with a hate raid is not necessarily that bad things are being said to people, problematic stuff is coming up. 
it's who's being targeted, why they're being targeted, and the fact that Twitch lacks any real tools to help them deal with it. Let's just right? say it's not straight white people that are being targeted. Yeah. Um, it's mostly been black women, women of color, um, who are not only being targeted, but are at the forefront of the Twitch Do Better movement. Um, but also anybody who identifies with a queer identity. Um, people of color, of course, have been targeted. You know, women have been targeted. Um, basically anybody, like you said, other who's, who's not cis, straight, white, and male, honestly. <laughs> um, and I think one of the most one of the most troubling stories to come out of this for me is that one of the hate raiders has identified themselves. They're like taking credit for it yeah. at this point, right? And Twitch has done absolutely nothing, not even an investigation into their channel to see if those claims were true. They have not targeted this person. They have not, you know, threatened to take this person's channel down. Nothing at all. This person hasn't received so much as a warning for their behavior. And they're taking credit for that. And so, you know, the people that is targeting things like that, the issue is, is again, Twitch lacks tools to deal with this. If you're lucky enough to be a big enough channel to have moderators, it may be a little less, you know, concerning for you. You've yeah. got mods in your chat. You know, you've basically hired them at that point to make sure that things go smoothly during your stream so you don't have to go in and moderate the chat by yourself. And a big part of it, even with mm -hmm. the moderation, um, there are things in place like banning words. You can block certain words, block people. The problem is these people that are doing this are auto-generating in a way where it'll just list every, it'll take every possible um, variant letter to make horrible yeah. words be able to be said get past all those blocks um i yeah. a couple of maybe a week or so ago i shared a video of um somebody that basically ran a program that was going through every possible variant way of specific words in the time it would take to not only find out all those words but then to because you can't upload a list you have to do every single word individually was i think it was like four or five hours just to i think get the words together or something i can't even remember the timeline all i know is it's not a normal human amount of time that should be that should need to be invested <laughs> for this kind of thing well no it's not and that's that's kind of the problem is the the amount of effort it takes to hate read a channel honestly isn't a lot right now people have already made the bots people already ran the scripts they have it all figured out at this point um, it, for example, one of the videos I watched that gave me a lot of information on this was Jim Stephanie Sterling's video on the Jimquisition, mm -hmm. um, about hate rating. And, uh, they specifically pointed out that they have been hate rated before as a non-binary person. Um, and they're just to show you how uncreative these people really are is the bots were just spamming. You will never be a woman in their chat. And Jim's like okay, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to be a woman. Like, And so, like, in that instance, you know, of course, a hate read kind of fails mm -hmm. in that measure, but it was also extremely destructive to a stream. Yeah. There was one person who was hate rated so badly that they literally, for three and a half hours, they were just trying to moderate their chat, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't play any games on their stream. Their entire stream was taken up by trying to get rid of these bots in their chat. Yeah. Um, One of the biggest issues around this is centered around Twitch's visibility tags now. 
Um, if you're a streamer who's of color or has a queer identity or something like that, you can usually put a visibility tag on your channel, which will just let other people know. And the problem is, is Twitch originally didn't want to do that. They had to eat crow with a bunch of people who are actually good at what they do. Mostly queer people had created the visibility hashtags to go on the channel. And then Twitch kind of took those and said, okay, we'll make them a thing now. But Twitch's entire like warning to everybody was like, oh, this could possibly put you in danger. Like, we don't want to do that. And it's like, well, it wouldn't put anybody in danger if you gave us the moderation tools we needed, yeah. you know, to deal with problems like this. And they just don't have them. And this um, is obviously, on top of this, comparing it to, was it last year or the year before, where uh, Twitch added some completely bannable offensive words, which include uh, simp? I believe simp was one of those words. Simp was one. Yeah. Um, Incel was another one. Yeah, you know. Because um, obviously, we know who they want to protect from that yeah. kind of show of... Uh, of, of course. And, I mean, let's wrapping it all up here because i'm getting disjointed the more i talk about it because it is an upsetting topic but um wrapping it up the goal of these people who are engaging in these hate raids honestly is the same goal that has been around since the days of gamergate honestly um make gaming platforms gaming spaces exclusively comfortable for cis white male people honestly like do not they they want to see people who are who are unchallenging to them honestly mm -hmm. they don't want to have to think about stuff and so that is their that is their goal to push these people off of twitch to make these people leave that platform um and it sucks because you know with the de facto monopoly twitch has on video game streaming there's nowhere else for anybody to go right now yeah um you know, you can Face, tell someone Facebook that they gaming can add all the fucking shit they want. Nobody wants to go there. I mean, that's fine, but then you're also just transferring the problem somewhere else, right? Yeah. If everyone jumps ship and goes over to Facebook gaming, is Facebook going to invest in the moderation tools that it needs to keep people from engaging in hate raids? Not really. Uh, is, they already don't moderate their own fucking social media you know, site to begin with. Is YouTube going to do that? Absolutely not. The YouTube comments are consistently flooded with nonsense that YouTube never bans people for. Um... You know, it, there's just nowhere anybody can go. And the problem is, is there's no incentive for Twitch to do this stuff. We can boycott for a day. We did boycott for a day. Yeah. And, that isn't uh, going to hurt Twitch's bottom line in the long run. And what mm -hmm. happened on that day is um, a couple of bigger name streamers from Twitch announced that they were leaving for YouTube. And uh, Twitch then tweeted out congratulating or uh, wishing the best to um, one of their popular cis white male streamers. <laughs> Yeah, because I think we've talked about him before in the past, but Tim the Tapman mm -hmm. left Twitch for YouTube, and Twitch's yeah. response on the day of the the day that nobody was or the whole boycott happened uh, was to then tweet being like, "Hey, we love you." <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I mean, no hate towards Tim the Tapman on that for real. He's a, he's yeah. a good guy. He's a funny streamer. Um, produces quality content. This was one hundred percent on Twitch for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and Twitch has done similar things in the past. They they know that they have a wide range of people of color on their channel, of queer people on their channel, or the platform, of people of various identities on their platform. And they consistently only look towards the top-tier cis, straight, white people on their channel or on their platform to promote it in any real way. Um and it just sucks because it's like 
this was supposed to be a platform that was supposed to bring people together, to bring the larger community of gaming together, to enjoy each other's content, um, and to to just foster a, a community. And the problem is, is it's it's allowing the worst parts of that community to take the reins and determine which direction it will go in. And and I just I I understand why they're doing it. I understand why Twitch is lacking, you know, any real motivation to go after these people. But it just it it doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make it a good thing that they're that they're just taking a backseat to all of this. I have a real feeling that eventually it's going to become too much for some people. They will all jump ship and you know, all I can do is hope that there's some lifeboat out there. There's some other platform out there that can be developed that people can go to. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't go the way of something like Mixer. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, God. we we just we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's a scary future for a lot of these people because these people have built their careers up on Twitch. And now they just they can't reasonably be expected to do their jobs, honestly, without facing a shit ton of harassment. Mm hmm. So we have, because um, I keep an eye on our stuff, we have luckily not had any issues with things. Um, we did get a couple of people following that are known to be uh, linked to hate raids, so I've already gone through and blocked some of them. Um, but yeah, it's fucking unacceptable. I don't, I don't understand how it has. They have just let it get this bad when they have, they have the money. They have the ability to stop this shit. And instead, they're like, well, some options are there. The tools are there. Uh, yeah. I'm like, no, they aren't. They There are tools there, but they aren't doing this because obviously people know the tools and know how to get around those tools. Oh, yeah. Well, a, a light bulb just went off on my head there for a second because I remember the person who did get hate rated for about three hours. That person is a trans person on the Twitch Twitch's uh, safety council, their safety advisory council. So this person was presumably hired by Twitch to deal with this specific problem, to report these problems to the higher-ups of Twitch. And this is a person who had to be a victim of a hate raid. That tells you, like, how far of a backseat Twitch is actually taking. If this were a limo, Twitch would be in the trunk at this point. Like, that's where they are at the the moment. Like, they just don't give a shit at all. And that's because there, there, again, is no incentive to give a shit. It doesn't help Twitch's bottom line to go after these people, right? Like, they're not making ad revenue based on how many hate raids there are or not on their platform. They're making that based on viewers. Yeah. And the sickest thing about this is people are going to start tuning in just to see the spectacle that is a hate raid. And that's going to incentivize them to jump in on the party, right? Um, and I just, I, I don't know where the platform, Twitch has always loosely enforced their rules and policies. Twitch just does not care. It's going the way that a lot of big tech companies are, where they want to take a backseat to moderation, leave it all up to being an automated process, and leave it up to the content creators themselves to determine, you know, what they will and won't allow in their spaces. Yeah. Um, Which, even when you don't allow, you can't control certain things. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we, we do our best to keep our channel as clean as possible. We don't have a massive viewership. I've had a couple people in there try to come and troll me personally from other platforms I've been on, and usually I'll banter with them a bit. I'll kind of shut them say, down. And we we know why they come around because <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen the shit that you post online sometimes. Uh. 
But I mean, they'll come in the chat, they'll say a few words, and usually it's either me ignoring them or mm -hmm. me just shutting them down completely. Yeah. But that's because I have a thick skin. Like, I have the ability to do that. I can be humorous when it comes to that kind of thing. But not everybody needs to deal with that. Not everybody wants to deal with that. And frankly, oh, I don't want to have to deal with it either. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, if, you know, nine times out of ten, these people are getting blocked from our channel or banned from our channel because I just don't want to, I don't want to fucking hear them. I don't want to listen to them. It's disruptive to what I'm doing in the moment. I want to sit there. I want to play a game. And if you want to sit down and enjoy me playing that game, then great. If you want to do anything else, get the fuck out, honestly. <laughs> uh, all right. So, I know it's a hard way to pivot from something like that. Um, but I will say, to, to take uh, any focus off of more white people, I guess. <laughs> um... <laughs> We're going to end the normal... This is the end of the normal podcast. If you have not seen Shang-Chi yet, do not listen to the rest of this podcast. Go go watch it. It's in theaters everywhere, worldwide. Um, or do it if you're some kind of masochist. Who or, yeah, or if you don't think you're going to get around to it and you just want some fun little spoiler review talk about it, uh, stick around. Um, but if you're going to peace out, thank you for watching. As always, we love you. You're awesome and amazing. Um... So yeah, we are moving on to... Oh, I have a thing. I made the thing and I didn't post it in the thing. Hold on. Image, image, <laughs> image, image. image. Uh, did we have the background? I did. I put... Remember I said I was doing that? Um, yeah. And through the magic of movie editing... Uh, OBS files... Through the magic of movie editing... <laughs> oh, God. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's there. Eyes properly. <laughs> oh no! When you import things to me immediately into it, it sets it to a certain pos uh, position. So I just had to stretch it out. Movie magic. This was like this the whole time. Um. All right, Nate. We got our first true Phase Four Marvel Marvel movie. Oh, ugh. yeah. I'm gonna cut this out and start over. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate. We finally got. We're finally on to Phase Four. Our first true Phase Four Marvel movie. Sure, Black Widow kind of counted, but it also took place between Civil War and mm -hmm. Endgame or uh, Infinity War. So, eh. um, yeah. Shang Chi in the Ten Rings. Is that the full yes. name? Yes, in the Ten Rings. Um, just came out this weekend. Like we were saying earlier, box office record, best uh, opening weekend for Labor Day. Um, mm -hmm. I absolutely fucking loved it. Um, yeah. I uh, was already a fan of the main actor because Kim and I were, we used to watch, and we still need to finish it, um, Kim's Convenience, where he played the, the brother on the show, and he was great. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also a fan of Aquafina. I know some people have <laughs> opinions on her and I understand um I also think she's funny and I like when she's in a more uh I don't want to say tame I don't know how to describe it she can go too far and there are a lot of comedians like that the com comedic actors that I'm like alright you're going too much into you're doing that like way too out there kind of character um <laughs> but I thought her and this was a lot better than she had been. Like, even her in, um... I liked her in, uh... The Dragon movie, Raya. 
Yeah. Also a good Disney movie. Which I think she needs now. She needs to be in a third movie about dragons that's made by Disney. And it's probably a Star Wars <laughs> property or something. I don't know. Um, but no, I absolutely loved it. I'm so happy to have um, a more hand-to-hand combat-focused Marvel movie. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because the, the fight sequences in this I thought were fucking amazing compared to like some of the stuff we've seen and then especially compared to any kind of martial arts uh, Marvel properties I'm looking at you fucking Iron Fist Um, oh god god damn it's I love people are saying that this this movie is basically yeah we're never gonna ever talk about Iron Fist again this is the only (laughs) kung fu or the only martial arts based I say kung fu because that is what uh, the The only thing I wish they did for Iron Fist is get an actor who actually had some stunt and martial arts training. <laughs> yeah, like, it was not good. It could have been immediately better if they just had that going for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they didn't, and now it doesn't matter, so who cares? Um, so what do you think? You said... I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, the movie definitely blew my expectations out of the water, because normally when you hear of anything outside of the mainstay avengers cast right like we had ant-man and ant-man 2 and even though i love those movies they didn't have the massive critical reception that some of the mainstay marvel films did um but shang chi thoroughly destroyed my expectations completely i thought okay this is gonna be another sort of phoned in spinoff movie that they don't really put any effort into you know making something great out of Mm -hmm. but this one was good and i think it's going to be memorable on top of that and that's that's really what gives marvel movies sort of any real power in the franchise is being memorable in the first place like everyone remembers the first iron man film everyone remembers winter soldier um i just keep having the thing where i just every once in a while remember that mm-hmm. his real name is shang chi and when he changed his name he changed it to sean <laughs> yes aquafita makes a joke about that in the film He's like, so what, what's your name? And he says Shang-Chi, which is how you would pronounce it in yeah. Chinese. Yeah. And he, she is like, <laughs> they're going back and forth with her pronouncing it properly. <laughs> and she's like, so your name is Shang, and you changed it to Sean. <laughs> it's like, you're Super trying to hide cool. like the deadliest man in the world, and you changed your name to Sean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it, the, everything about it, I think, there was not, a, I don't think, a single part of this movie where I'm like, meh, meh. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the music got me hyped up for parts. Uh, the little music. bits of Easter eggs and shit thrown in throughout. Um, we'll tell. Yeah, we can talk the about the attention to detail in the movie was really good. Um, just making it feel like it's set in the same universe that everything else has already happened in. Yeah. So um, that was like I was saying about it being the first Phase Four. Sure. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home is technically the first movie that happens after the events of Endgame, but they never really, I feel like, sure, they touched on, like, the people coming back from the blip a little bit, um, but to see, like, obviously this is a world where this, people are just now moving, getting, getting past it, they're accepting what's happening, you see when he goes, when Sean goes to, uh, Katie's house, um, there are the posters on the wall being like, hey, post blip uh mm-hmm. like therapy and in group session yeah. kind of stuff and i there thought that was a, little, was a really interesting way of doing that 
there was a poster outside of Sean's apartment when he first walks out that says uh, Blip Sync. Yeah, that's I what I couldn't remember. Up, like, TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I caught all these little details. I was in, rather intensely staring at the screen to catch these details. Uh, <laughs> um, and like, I, I know um, leading into this, I had heard that obviously two after credit scenes but they were saying that these are two very big after credit scenes it's not just oh, yeah. two two joke kind of things um yeah. although they're, they're... the they do end the first one on a joke and it's my favorite joke in oh yeah um <laughs> it's officially the best part of any end credit scene um you but... don't like captain america's psa scene no i'm good uh that was probably the worst um <laughs> i loved it oh god it's because they do it to fuck with people that stay for the after credits um <laughs> but no the movie the the main movie aside because i'm not we're not going to go through like a full recap we're already at an hour and a half on this fucking episode um i highly recommend the the, the just the main movie along we're going to ignore mm-hmm. all the connection stuff uh yeah. the fact that a relatively small character from fucking Iron Man 3 becomes mm-hmm. such a big part of this movie. <laughs> yeah. The fucking return of Ben Kingsley is uh, Trevor mm-hmm. Slattery, I think is the last name. Yeah. Um, who's important because he can understand a weird mm-hmm. mythical creature um, voiced by one of the greatest voice actors of all time, D. Bradley Baker. Who voices <laughs> all of the creatures in everything you've ever listened to since like two thousand year two thousand? Um, yeah. God, he! I was not expecting it. I should have because Disney made sure that people were like, "Hey, we just uploaded this short starring mm-hmm. this guy that connects to Shang Chi. Uh, you should watch it before you go see the movie." And it really was like, "Oh shit!" Because in the short, they break him out of prison and it's like, "We're gonna. I'm not gonna kill you. This guy yeah. might." Um, they really do. I love the fact that they even that is part of the father who is the actual, not Mandarin, because the Mandarin isn't a real thing. The Mandarin, I love the he makes yeah. the joke is like people are afraid of a fucking orange. Um, yeah, the fact that he the Mandarin was a hundred percent made up. They decided to completely step away from that name usage in any way. Um, and it's the writing just a credit to the writing of the movie the way they explain away the existence of the mandarin is is rather perfect mm-hmm. it fits with all of the previous stuff you've seen it harkens back to the iron man 3 stuff um and you're just you're aware at this point that this was a complete fabrication in this version of the marvel universe and while <laughs> while the 10 rings existed um mm-hmm. they existed in a very different setting uh, and oddly enough, they existed in a way that they just didn't happen for yeah. a couple of years, like 13, 14 <laughs> years. Um, no, not 13, couple, like six years. I don't know how long, however, however long it took for his well, mom to die. <laughs> I, think, I think that is the transitional period between, you know, then and now is we've got, you know, Shang-Chi's actual growing up to do in those movies, in that movie time frame. We've got the death of his mother. We've got his father sort of essentially trying to rebuild the Ten Rings, actually, because the Ten Rings in the ancient times was this massive army, mm-hmm. and now they kind of have to be this clandestine organization in the modern world. It still um, works. And, I mean, very yeah. uh, very similar to 
spoilers if you have not watched Black Widow. Sorry, Nate. Not going to get really spoilery about it. But <laughs> but having like this secret organization that is able to go in, assassinate, get out, whether they mm-hmm. want to be loud, whether they want to be quiet. Obviously, the Widows are a little bit more stealthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, these guys will sometimes just opt for explosions. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting way of setting that world up. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the end... I just we talked about like we were making fun of Iron Fist and the fact that the mm-hmm. the martial arts in it is horrible. Um just being able to see like very similar to um I'm gonna just gonna go back to like House of was it House of a Thousand da- was the Flying Daggers? Yes. I can't remember the name of it. Um but that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, those kind of things that the movies that you think of when you you think of American well-known uh, mm-hmm. over in here for uh, martial arts movies. It kind of yeah. gives that like fantasy vibe to the fighting style as well. Um, well, it does. They were, they were light on the sort of wire trick style fighting, mm-hmm. um, but it still harkens back to those old kung fu movies. Yeah. that you're used to watching. It's all, you know, strike-based fighting, um, very fast-paced in this movie. The, the great thing about the choreography of this movie is they used very, very little sped-up footage for the choreography. A lot of this fighting you're seeing is happening in real time. And they're not, not doing the hard cuts like yeah. most fights in the other MCU films. No. You can you witness, like, entire sequences of 20-plus strikes happening at a time, which is unheard of in old kung fu movies. Like, you just didn't get that kind of choreography before. Um, but with new filming techniques and the ability to, you know, use CGI for backgrounds, they're able to focus a lot more on the actual action that's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. And um, even to have it blend, like, when with the yeah. father mm-hmm. and even Shang-Chi using the um, the Ten Rings, uh, mm-hmm. the blending of the actual normal martial arts and then into mm-hmm. the use of the powers. Oh, yeah. And that's something really interesting, is, is the innovative ways that they use the 10 rings right i'd love the like and, jump pad boost basically you would <laughs> use. um even more so things that you just that i didn't expect to see from the 10 rings because when his dad is using the 10 rings they're basically just used there to sort of enhance his fist more or less um the he can like destroy out everything yes he can do energy blast and things like that with them but then Chong actually gets the rings and he's doing really unique things with them. He's not just using them as like foot pads to elevate his steps, but when he goes for an overhead kick on his dad, four of the rings, oh, five of the rings come along the shin so to enhance cool. the power of that. So, you know, you're getting this ability that he's really like, of course, he's a martial arts master, but he's an intelligent fighter as well, mm-hmm. which is very, very good. Like, just to see the tactics he uses in his fights. And he R&D. uses Kamehameha. Yes. Let's be he honest, uses he used Kamehameha. Um, <laughs> Aquafina even says as much. <laughs> I also, at one point, almost yelled... Actually, I, I said it not loud, but to Kim, uh, as as Shang's riding the back of uh, of the Great, Great Protector, Yeah. Um, yeah. I 100% just leaned over to him and went, Falcor! Falcor, yes. Never-ending story. <laughs> um... Uh, and again, obviously, people complain about the fact that all these Marvel movies have some big CG fight at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, but shut up. Um, yeah, this is 
this is also the first go around for this character. So it follows the very standard hero's journey formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of those kind of movies, you always need some big bad evil guy to, you know, destroy. Um, or in this case, mm-hmm. uh, basically not redeem, but your father, reali- the evil father realizes he's fucked up and then sacrifices yeah. himself. And then the CG monster has to be destroyed. Yeah. Again, Which, I mean, I'm okay with it. The CG monsters are nothing to really write home about in this film. Um, they're it's, like soul stealers. It's basically uh, <laughs> a um, fuck. What are those things called? Oh, it's a Dementor Cthulhu. Yeah, Cthulhu it, Mentor. It's, yes, it sucks out the souls of people. It empowers the big bad evil guy when he eats the souls and whatever like that. And this thing is supposed to be capable of you know destroying the entire world. And the Ten Rings are like the only thing that can potentially stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that with that being said, I mean you get you get neat moments throughout the film. The movie is paced very well, so you get you know your heartfelt moments. You get your big action pieces. You get some exposition here and there, but none of it's crammed together in a way that makes the movie feel like it's just droning on mm-hmm. forever, right? Um, you get the debut of probably one of the best redeemed villains, in my opinion, in the series, uh, Razor Fist. Because he's just fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. ridiculous. <laughs> the, it's like I think we should. Jo- I think it's a good idea if we join forces. Uh- <laughs> um, Razor Fist is a cool guy. Um, I wouldn't call him that. Which, his car's his, a piece his of car, shit. His car is fucking ridiculous, dude. So I've talked about automotive product placement in Marvel films before. We had Audi throughout several Avengers and Iron mm-hmm. Man films. What was that a BMW? Um, you, Yes, you had Acura in the Black Panther movie, and now you have yeah. BMW. And so they show off the M8, which is sort of their top-line flagship sports sedan. But not um, just a normal, normal yeah. version of this car. <laughs> um, well, the M8 was the first one from the valet scene that Aquafina's driving. Oh, sorry. Um, okay, I thought you were talking about yeah. the, Again, I don't and Then you cars. show off, I think it's the BMW XM5. It's an electric like crossover thing. Oh, that would make sense. It didn't make much noise. Yeah. It didn't make any engine noise. You hear some whirring, which is, like, edited in. But um, it's also the sound. As somebody that has ridden in many electric cars, that's what they sound like. It just sounds yeah. like a nice little... Yeah, so it's a BMW uh, X5, or in this case, an XM5. The sports model is as it's supposed to be. But dressed up with all of Razor Fist little accoutrements <laughs> to the vehicle. So fucking ridiculous-ass graffiti decal on the side, the little teeth in the grill. <laughs> um super crazy but beyond that all that crap um again the movie's just paced really well you get moments probably i think aquafina really got some of the best parts in the film um you know her really helping the fight as well not just being a background side character yeah. um oh my god her uh her distraction mm-hmm. techniques just start yes. burst into <laughs> fucking hotel california hotel california yes um but when she finally gets, when she finally comes to Talao, which is the village, and, you know, the old woman tells her, you know, if you don't aim at anything, you hit nothing. She's going on about how she, like, does everything up to the point she's moderately good at it and just mm-hmm. kind of gives up. And then she learns, like, oh, I'm, like, a natural, naturally good at this thing and can use it to help people. And so she does, which is really neat. Um <clears throat> But and, I, I love everything about it. The movie harkens back again to those old kung fu movies, not just in the fights, but in the styling of the film. Yeah, I was going to say, um, in touching back on her character, just 
one of the things that I really liked, and Kim and I talked about this, and I'm mm-hmm. sure there will be people that argue otherwise, the fact that they don't force a relationship, like a, a romantic right. relationship between them. I'm sure there's going to be people being like, they're going to be dating by the next movie. Mm-hmm. If they do, whatever, sure, I get it. They're very close best friends. I have I understand having a friend like that. I can understand. I mean, th- this is yeah. basically a movie version of you and Dave. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, if one oh, of us was a badass martial artist. <laughs> have you seen Dave fight? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I was happy about the fact that it was like, hey, we're introducing two characters that are very close friends, have been friends for years Basically, this is the one person that he has grown the closest to in his life that he's made. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like, also, I love you. It was like, no, no, you are with each other for everything because you are best friends. You are. And it's funny. I was talking to Kim about, I wonder if this is going to be that reverse of how, like, in a lot of movies where characters are very obviously... Not, sorry, not very obviously, but to certain people, it's like, oh, they're definitely gay. Oh, they're definitely in love with each other. And then mm-hmm. the straights are like, no, they're just friends. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I'm really wondering if it's going to happen with this movie where they're going to be like, oh, hey, they're dating now. It's like, what are you talking about? That's just friendly shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of people have a very strange view of intimacy and leave it solely for romantic partners mm-hmm. where you can see moments where you know, they are intimate in the film, but not in an exclusively romantic way. Yeah. Like, they are they exist as friends, and so they comfort each other in ways that people would see as a romantic thing, but really isn't. Um, at least not to them. Um, I think probably one of the best moments in the film for me, because this has happened in my personal life, is sort of the found family aspect that happens at the beginning where Shang is sort of greeted as a member of yeah. Katie's family. I really like on. that moment. Um, so that's a touching moment, and it, it allows him to have a connection to his Chinese heritage as well. Um, <clears throat> that he would otherwise be missing since he you know, ran away from his family. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, his sister being in the film, amazing. I, I love everything about her. She's a fucking badass in her own right. That was another thing um, where Kim and I were talking about the fact that they really are like, here's the sister. She is much more of a badass than our main character. Uh-huh. Well, she's she's frankly been through a lot more shit. I mean, when she ran away, she didn't have a support structure. She didn't yeah. make any friends. Yeah. Um, she had to, you know, sort of survive entirely on her own and learn how to do that because she wasn't even trained in the same way that Sean was. She learned it all by herself. So she's more of that sort of independent, you know, person. But because of that independence, she's also kind of built this shell around her where she doesn't allow anybody yeah. into her personal life and feelings. Um, but that being said, she is an extremely capable fighter and beats the shit out of Shang early on. So, yeah. <laughs> And speaking on that, because I want to c- c- try and wrap it up pretty soon. Um, but end of the movie, we get our, our break and... Uh, our last cutscene, our last after credit, cuts to her who was supposed to be dismantling the rings, the ten rings, mm-hmm. making it so it's not a thing anymore. We're not going to make this a a um, terrorist organization or whatever the fuck it was. Um, mm-hmm. 
But she's like, nah, it's mine now. I'm going to take this over. I'm going to make this my own thing. Um, and it, the movie actually ends not with a will Shang-Chi will return in, but it was the Ten Rings will return. And yeah. I'm really interested to see if it's they return movie-wise first or if they return in... Um, some people are assuming that they may come back in... Uh, I almost said Hitman. Hawkeye. Hawkeye first. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? There's so many fucking places. Oh. You never know where people are going to pop in anymore. Yes. Um, I, was, I was honestly betting on a Ten Rings Disney Plus series. <laughs> oh, wow. Who knows? Um, you never... Yeah, I just feel like because of the Ten Rings being this big organization and doing the things that they do, um, a Disney Plus series for me would be the way to go because it, you know, having an organization like that leads mm-hmm. itself, lends itself to sort of episodic content. Um, having different characters show up and do different things and go on different missions and stuff like that and have that tie into later Marvel films in Phase 4. Yeah. Um, it could almost, also be kind of their redemption for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was about to say, almost similar to an Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. style thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the other after scene, after credit scene is something that is more putting us on the path of where Phase 4 is kind of going. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, um, oh, I can't hear his name right now. Wong? Yeah. Wong. Is it Wong? It is Wong. I always forget if his name in the movie is Wong or if his name in real life is Wong. (laughs) So, here's the funny part about that, right? His name in the movie is Wong. It's Benedict Wong. And his name is Benedict Wong, yes. But his name in the movie is Wong. It, it, what? Are you sure? (laughs) Yes! Are you 100% sure? Chris, his name is Wong. Okay. <laughs> I always just don't, I like second guess myself every time. Yeah, okay. Oh my god, in Raya he voiced somebody named Tong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Benedict Wong comes back. We knew that because he was in the trailer fighting um, who we find out, I guess, is kind of his friend. Uh, Abomination. <laughs> Another returning character. Um, but in the end, he brings um Shang-Chi and uh, Katie into what I'm assuming is the the Sanctum. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically they have a conference call (laughs) with Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner, who is still in a sling, but is not uh, Not Smart Hulk. Not Smart Hulk right now. Professor Hulk, I think. Um, Professor Hulk, yes. But basically they realize that after Shang used the Ten Rings it sent out a signal and it's a signal that nobody knows what the fuck it's where it's going who it's from when it was created and all that fun shit uh Mm -hmm. so that we have no idea like again we we don't know this up we don't know what's coming up they're going off of whatever the fuck they want sure they pull from comics but who knows where it's gonna go um the rings them the rings themselves are so old nobody knows how old they actually are (laughs) so and that's the thing the fact that the movie ends in taking place in another dimension. Uh, mm-hmm. They could just be something from another dimension. Um, I don't know. All I know is that I'm excited to see where we're going. We're about to get the most out there when it comes to. I'm so shaky. Cooper, 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 Cooper. Has it been too long? Too long? Not enough cuddles. Special guest for the last couple seconds of the podcast. Um, yes. Yeah, we... 
are getting the Eternals next. And we're going to get the most out there and weird and crazy stuff that Marvel's put out so far. Um, mm. Hopefully. Uh, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, but we got to wait until fucking November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, we have What If, which we can't talk about right now. We're going to talk about it more next episode. Um, but we love it. At least I love it. I don't know about Nate. Um, I love it. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's all we're going to say right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will be back next next weekend not next weekend the following the weekend, weekend the weekend of the i believe it's the 18th yes the weekend of the 18th boom uh thank you for watching slash listening to space time taco as always i have been chris and i am nate follow us on all the social medias our names are right below us well, i can't point at his name because his name is over there nate point at your name all right, cool. <laughs> 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 Go inside and play video games. <laughs>